Hey everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the 1001 Films Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Gardner, and today I'm starting a new series called Actors Spotlight. Um, And it's kind of a new series, it's not really. I mean, I renamed the previous episode that I did on Shia LaBeouf uh, to Actors Spotlight. Um, And I wanted to do something like that again with all of my my favorite actors and actresses. Um, So I just thought, why not just start a new series of episodes and call it Actor Spotlight. Um, So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick an actor and give my thoughts on them as a whole, kind of like I did in the Shia LaBeouf episode, like why I like them, what performances of those that I like. Um, And this episode, as you probably saw in the title because he clicked on the episode, is about Tobey Maguire. So I'm going to get into all his films and my thoughts on him as an actor and performer in general right after the break. So, Tobey Maguire, to me, will always be Spider-Man. Um, I was in middle school and high school when those first uh, Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies came out. Um, and I've rewatched them over and over since then. Um, and there's, some, there's still Spider-Man 2 still is probably in my top three at least top five uh, favorite superhero movies ever. Um, right up there with like The Dark Knight and Logan um, and Watchmen. I would put Spider-Man 2 up there um, with those films as, as some of the best superhero movies ever made. Um, but since uh, those Spider-Man movies ca- came out, I um, as I branched out and watched uh, his other stuff, his other performances... I began to like him even more, even though he was he was a good uh, Peter Parker. You know, some people say he was a little old uh, to be playing a high schooler, but you know, it is what it is. I thought he gave a good performance, uh, but his other performances, you know, really uh, let me see who he is as a performer, and you know, really made me fall in love with him even more. Um, even though I was introduced to him through the Spider-Man movies. So what I'm going to do is um, I'm just going to go through real quick his IMDb and talk about the films of his and performances of his that I have seen. So the first one is Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Uh, That film is crazy. It's all kinds of cuckoo-cachoo. And he has a very small part. He plays a hitchhiker. And there's not really much to do for him in that movie. He's only in it like a like. His screen time probably only adds up to like five minutes. Um, and that and that movie was more about the script and the story. And he, re, you know, like I said, he really wasn't given much to do. And you don't really get to see his talents. Uh, but, you know, he got to have a few scenes with Johnny Depp and act across Johnny Depp. So I'm sure that was a very formative um, experience for him to, to act alongside, um, you know, this extremely famous, very talented actor, uh, when he was so starting off so young, so early in his career. Uh, and then the next movie also, you know, uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas came out in 1998, but also in 1998, um, Pleasantville came out. And this is where, uh, the first time you get to see him, uh, leading a film, he plays this teenager who loves to watch old sitcoms a la, 
you know, the Dick Van Dyke show, <coughs> you know, Andy Griffith, like, there's a fictional, uh, sitcom in this, uh, in this movie world called Pleasantville, that's kind of in that same vein of the black and white 50s sitcoms, um, and I just, just realized this, I wrote, I, uh, wrote my notes for this episode before I watched WandaVision, and, um, this, if, you know, this movie, Pleasantville, is very much like WandaVision, the first, uh, maybe three or four episodes of WandaVision, I think, have, have heavily borrowed from, uh, from a movie like Pleasantville, so the, the, premise of this movie is that he gets sucked into a 1950s kind of Andy Griffith style sitcom, like I said, through some magic TV remote sold to him by Don Knotts. Um, not the actual Don Knotts, just that Don Knotts was playing this, uh, this person that was selling, um, this, this TV remote. So him and his sister get sucked into the sitcom and it's black and white, um, at first. And then, you know, Toby Maguire and his sister kind of teach these town folks about, you know, the outside world and there's more, you know, to life than just, um, the standard, um, I don't know, the standard suburban kind of lifestyle from the fifties, you know, and, uh, it's pretty good, you know, Tobey Maguire plays an interesting nerd, more like, he's more like Peter Parker in this film, I think, um, you know, before he gets, uh, sucked into the TV, he, he's, you know, he's kind of a loner, he doesn't have that many friends, he's like a super nerd, uh, you know, he's not very popular at school, you know, so he's more like Peter Parker in this movie than he is in, in the actual Spider-Man movie. So I thought, you know, that was a, an interesting observation. Um, and then uh, just one year later in 1999, he did Cider House Rules where he co-leads with Michael Caine, where they play doctors at an orphanage. And I don't remember a lot about it. I saw it once a long time ago. Uh, I remember it has Paul Rudd. Uh, briefly in there or something, uh, and he also is, like, they perform abortions on these kids or whatever, I don't know, I don't remember a lot about it, I just remember it, like, the tone being completely, like, off of, for a lot of the movie, like, it was like, um, you know, he was working at this orphanage at the beginning, but then he becomes, like, this seasonal worker at the cider house and, uh, you know, picking apples or whatever, and it's kind of like the tone from the beginning and at the end, you know, like, uh, he's this naive, like doctor's assistant at the beginning. And then like at the end, he has to perform an abortion, like on one of the workers at, uh, this, uh, one of his coworkers at the cider house or whatever, you know? And it's like, I don't know. I just, I didn't like it that much. Um, you know, it's tonally all over the place. You know, his, McGuire's performance is okay. You know, I'm sure he really liked performing and, um, you know, acting across, you know, someone as seasoned and as famous as Michael Caine, you know, another you know, uh, formative experiences in his career, I'm sure. Um, and then after that, in 2002, you start to get into the Spider-Man movies. So I'm just going to do um, 
all three of them at once, even though there's other films in between that uh, I have seen. So starting off with the with Spider-Man 1, along with the first X-Men movie, which came out in 2000, and even the first Blade movie, which came out in 1998, um, is... Those three movies, especially uh, X-Men and Spider-Man 1, they really uh, usher in what is now this era of superhero movies as its own genre, kind of as the replacement for for Westerns. Um, that uh, The superhero movies of today have are, are modern Westerns. You know, they have the same kind of themes as... Um, you know, the Westerns of the thirties and forties and fifties, you know, back when that was a, was a whole extremely popular genre and they don't really make a lot of Westerns anymore. Now it's comic book movies. And a lot of that is due to the success of X-Men and the first Spider-Man movie. Um, you know, it was, and now the, you know, the, that's all studios want to make is they want to make these big tentpole superhero movies because that's that's what makes money and rightfully so because of the first spider-man movie is something like we had never seen before the special effects are amazing in that film um toby mcguire i think is a very good peter parker okay here's here i'll give you i'll give you my breakdown of all the spider-man i know this is a little off topic but i just want to you know i feel like it fits in here i like toby mcguire's peter parker uh the best um but I like Tom Holland as Spider-Man the best. So Tom Holland is a better Spider-Man, but but Tobey Maguire is a better Peter Parker. Um, and Andrew Garfield, eh, you know, take him or leave him. I didn't really like those movies. I don't. I don't think they're that good. Um, and what I mean by that is that Tobey Maguire is good at playing the nerd, uh, the loner, the kind of hopelessly in love with Mary Jane um, doesn't know how to balance, uh, work and schoolwork and relationship and being Spider-Man. Um, but when he is Spider-Man, uh, when he's in the suit, he's not very quippy. He's not, um, you know, he's not very, is that innocence really doesn't kind of carry over where it really does very much so carry over um, with Tom, with Tom Holland as when Tom Holland is in, is in the Spider-Man suit, you know, he's, uh, he's still very much himself. Whereas when, uh, Tobey Maguire puts on the Spider-Man suit, um, you know, at, at times it kind of seems like a Power Rangers movie, especially in the first one with the outfit that Green Goblin is wearing. That's, that's straight out of Power Rangers for sure. Um, but, but I digress, you know, moving on to Spider-Man 2, uh, Spider-Man 2, like I said before, is probably top three superhero movies ever, um, you know, it is the best performance, uh, by any actor in any Spider-Man movie, uh, Tobey Maguire's performance, um, it's one of the best of his career, um, it is, you know, that kind of, like I was saying before, that he can't, you know, he plays Peter Parker's struggle to, uh, balance, you know, his personal life with Mary Jane and his schoolwork, um, and everything with being Spider-Man. And that, 
that choice uh, to choose to no longer be Spider-Man, um, you know, it's a, it's a very hard one for him. And especially since the reason he became Spider-Man is because of the death of his Uncle Ben. And, you know, he uh, is... He's kind of shirking that responsibility when he throws away um, that Spider-Man suit. You know, with great power comes great responsibility. He has this power to help people. But the reasons why he chooses to stop helping people are not selfish reasons. Uh, it may seem selfish, you know, to like want to have a girlfriend and want to have a, you know, uh, want to get good grades in class and everything. Um, but you got to take care of yourself, too, you know. And it's, it's that balance of having this responsibility, having this power, and therefore this responsibility of helping everyone. Um, that is the most interesting aspect of this film, and it really comes through uh, in Tobey Maguire's performance. Um, and, you know, moving on to Spider-Man 3, it's a mess. His performance doesn't work. It's inconsistent with the other two films. You know, he's... Uh, even... You know, you could even say that it's because of the Venom suit, but he is overly aggressive. He's, um, you know, he's too over the top. You know, he's got that freaking emo haircut. He's dancing and finger pointing in the street. You know, he's knocking around Mary Jane. Um, I get, I get what they were going for that this, this black symbiote suit, Venom suit is corrupting his mind, but I just didn't buy it at all. Uh, like I said, his performance is too over the top. Um, you know, that, you know, that type of performance, as we will see, uh, in, the, um, his, in a couple of his performances coming up, that type of over the topness, uh, is gonna work for him, uh, in a few of these other films that we're gonna talk about, but here in Spider-Man 3, it just really doesn't belong it's completely tonally different from the other two films. Um, and it's, it's just not that good. His performance is not that good. The, the film in general is just not good. And I, it's the one that I go back and revisit the least. I go back and revisit Spider-Man two the most and then Spider-Man one. Um, and then, you know, Spider-Man three is way down at the bottom of the list, even below some of the Garfield movies and the Holland movies. It's, it's all the way, it's all the way down at the bottom. I just don't like it at all. And it was a huge disappointment. Uh, but then moving on to uh, 2003 Seabiscuit. I remember seeing it, but I don't remember a lot about it. I may revisit it here in the future. Um, I know it was a big deal that it, it came out after Spider-Man 1 came out. So that's kind of, you know, what really kind of probably helped that movie at the box office is that Tobey Maguire was the lead and he had just gotten super famous and blew up because of the Spider-Man movie. Um, but I don't honestly don't remember a lot about it. I'll have to revisit it and let you guys know my thoughts about it later. Uh, but then in 2009, uh, he made the film brothers. And I've said this several times before on this, on this podcast that I have a sucker I'm a sucker for films that delve into um, emotional emotional intimacy between men, especially between brothers, because I have two brothers myself, uh, and it really stri strikes a chord with me a lot. And in this film, 
Um, Tobey Maguire plays opposite Jake Gyllenhaal as brothers. And Natalie Portman is... Um, Tobey Maguire plays Tobey Maguire's wife. Uh, and this film is set in, uh, you know, the Iraq war era in the United States. Uh, it came out in 2009, so the height of the Iraq war and all that going on is like right around this time. And, you know, they still make movies about Vietnam. They still make movies about World War II and World War One. you know, with 1917 just came out recently. Um, but, you know, we haven't gotten a lot of films about, um, about the war in Iraq, the war in Afghanistan. We don't get a lot of movies about that. And, you know, uh, this is one of the ones that really, uh, really hits home for me a lot. It's, and it's really one of the first one, first films to kind of explore PTSD in Iraq and Afghanistan war veterans. Um, you know, it's, it's one of Tommy McGuire's best performances. Uh, he got a Golden Globe nomination for best actor. You know, and like I said, he he really gets to flex that over-the-topness in a believable way in horrific situations. Um, that that work for the situation of this film where it didn't work really in Spider-Man 3. Um, that he, he gets to play um, this guy that's, you know, went to Iraq, was a prisoner of war had to see horrific things, was forced to do horrific things. And within all of those moments, you know, when he comes back, it's, and you get to see him really crank it up to 11 and it really, uh, increases the intensity and the emotional power of the film. You know, it's just his, his levels of intensity that he is able to go to is it's just incredible. And it's one of, one of his, um, it's, uh, objectively speaking without putting my own, uh, personal, uh, likes and dislikes, my own personal, uh, favorites into the mix. It is probably his best performance, uh, right up there with Spider-Man two and there. And just those two movies, you know, Brothers and Spider-Man 2, they're completely different. They're completely different um, characters. They're completely different performances. Even going back to Pleasantville, if if you take Pleasantville, Spider-Man 2, and Brothers, uh, and then another one coming up that I'm going to talk about, this, those performances are all completely different. And, you know, going over through his IMDb and revisiting some of his performances, you really get to see that he has a very large emotional range, a very large range as an actor that he can hit all these different levels. I personally like him when he cranks it up to 11 and he's going cuckoo kachoo and, you know, doing all this over the top stuff um, because you really get to see that he goes for it. He does not hold back. He really commits to characters, um, you know, and I enjoy that. I enjoy watching that in... Um, in an actor, in a performance, um, you know, and some of the stuff in here, um, I just kind of drew a connection in my mind just now, just a little bit, it's not even in my notes, um, is a similar performance is at the end of 
There Will Be Blood, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis's performance at the end, or his just his performance in general throughout that film, but especially at the very end when the, they're in the bowling alley in his mansion, and he's just... That is a very famous I drink your milkshake like that line. Wow. I mean that that performance just is like Toby Maguire's performance in Brothers, you know. They both just ex- really commit to that character, really commit to the scene, and they just don't hold back at all. And I love I love it when actors do that, when they just go for it. Um and you really see that here in Brothers with Toby Maguire. And honestly, since Brothers, he really hasn't done a lot. Um, I think I've I've seen every movie that he's been in uh, since Brothers in 2009, you know, and that was, you know, over a decade ago, almost two decades ago. Oh, I guess like tw- just 12 years ago. Um, he really hasn't done that much. The next film that I've seen that he was in was The Great Gatsby. Uh, I saw it once, thought it was okay. Uh, it's, it's Leo DiCaprio's movie. It's not Tobey Maguire's in it. Um, but he, you know, he gets to act along Leonardo DiCaprio, and that's pretty cool to see them both in the same movie. Um, but, you know, it's DiCaprio's movie. Um, so, uh, the next performance of his is my favorite is a TV show called Spoils of Babylon. It came out in 2014. I was a sophomore in college uh, when this series came out. And like I said, this is my favorite performance of his. His over-the-topness reaches Nicolas Cage levels in this in this show. And it works. And it's just so... It's so funny. It's so hilarious. Uh, you know, his performance and Will Ferrell's in it. He plays like six different characters. Um, you know, he intros and, uh, he does an intro and an outro to every episode Will Ferrell does, but I just, this show, Spoils of Babylon, it used to be on YouTube, or not YouTube, it used to be on Netflix, I don't know if it's still on there, I haven't tried to, to look at it for, I probably rewatched it on Netflix maybe about a year, year and a half ago, um, but it originally aired on IFC, um, so you might be able to watch it on their, um, I don't know if they have a streaming service. You might be able to just watch it on their website. Um, but it's, it's kind of hard to explain what this show is about. Um, but it's just so funny and so unique and, and it's unyielding, uh, and it's satirical takedown of overly dramatic epic miniseries. Um, you know, Toby Maguire really makes this show what it is, um, you know, and without his performance, this show kind of falls apart. You know, he plays the lead and he's just, he's just so ridiculously over the top. And I, I just love it. You know, the same reason, you know, like I said, people love Nicolas Cage because he commits and he's just, he just goes crazy and he doesn't hold back. And that's all, that's everything that Toby Maguire is in the, in this show. So I would highly recommend watching The Spoils of Babylon. I know a lot of people probably aren't going to like it. They're not going to get it. But just go along with it. Just enjoy it. Enjoy the ridiculousness uh, that a show like that was actually made. 
Uh, and then the next film where he does kind of get to go over the top in a realistic way again is um, Pawn Sacrifice. Uh, that came out just a few years ago, not that long ago, where he plays the um, the chess player Bobby Fischer. Um, you know, the Bobby Fischer and um, I forget... I forget the Russian's name, but chess in the during the Cold War was one of the ways that the Cold War was fought, honestly. Um, you know, Bobby Fischer, the American, you know, you know, playing against the Russians and all this kind of political intrigue surrounding the world of chess and each, you know, superpower United States and the Soviet Union trying to assert their dominance through this um through this mental uh board game of chess and you know, Bobby Fischer, um, I don't know exactly, but I'm sure he had some emotional problems. I'm sure he had some mental health problems. You know, he was paranoid and he became paranoid that, you know, the Russians were following him and watching him and, you know, that he was going to get kidnapped and, you know, he disappeared for a while and it was rumored that he was taken to Russia and like all this craziness that he was a, like a government spy and it was like he was an op secret operative and all of this craziness surrounding him um, and and this world of chess during the, the Cold War era in the United States. Um, and Toby Maguire does get to play a little bit of that over the top. He does hold it back. It's not as crazy as it is in Spoils of Babylon or even in Brothers. Um, but his performance is good because you know he has it in the tank to go cuckoo for cocoa puffs um but he plays it a little bit more subdued and a little bit more realistic because he's playing a real person he's portraying you know a real life person and he 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 just he falls into this performance he falls into this role extremely well um and he's just completely believable in in every in every aspect of this film um and then the only other film of his that i have seen it's not really his. He plays the narrator of, uh, in the film Boss Baby. Um, he plays the adult, the adult Tim Templeton. Uh, so he's got a little bit of narration at the beginning and at the end. Um, I don't know if he has a lot to do in the middle. Not really. Uh, but, you know, that's the last film that he, that he was in the last, you know, uh, and he hasn't really been doing much. He's kind of been, I don't know what he's been doing. He's been hanging around, not really uh, acting a lot. I'm, sh I'm sure an actor of his caliber has been approached with projects. So I don't know why he's not taking any. Uh, there's rumors and there's been reports by certain uh, online uh, outlets that he is going to be in... Uh, Spider-Man 3, I mean, the, the Tom Holland's third Spider-Man, that they're going to do some kind of multiverse, and that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are both going to be in this new Spider-Man movie with Tom Holland. Um, we'll see if that's true. I think it's probably, you know, if Marvel is smart, and if they want to make a uh, truckloads of money they will do that and they're gonna do that um so i can't wait to see him reprise his role as peter parker as you know in the spider-man universe 
Um, I would have liked to have seen a different Spider-Man 3 and maybe have him do a few more Spider-Man movies, but, you know, it is what it is. It, it happened. It ended at Spider-Man 3, and then they got a new guy, and they got Andrew Garfield to play to play him, you know, to they recast Andrew Garfield to play Peter Parker. So, uh, you know, like I said, it is what it is. But, like I said, I really like Tobey Maguire. He's one of my uh, favorite actors. I think he's one, he's one of the guys like... Um, like Adam Sandler, like when he did Uncut Gems, that was an excellent performance, probably the best of his career. Um, it really gets to showcase his talents as an actor and not just him trying to be funny as a comedian. Um, that I think eventually, um, a project is going to come along and Tobey Maguire is going to give the performance of his lifetime. I know he has it in him. I know he has, he has it in the tank to give. It just has to, everything else just has to line up right. It has to be the right year, the right project, the right performance, the right director, the right story. He's going to get an Oscar. I mean, he has to, he's way too talented not to get one. You know, same thing with, uh, with Tom, uh, with Tom Hardy. Um, you know, he's probably some, uh, someone who's going to get, uh, an episode of the actor spotlight, because I really like him too. People like, uh, Amy Adams, you know, like I said in, uh, my recent review and, uh, episode on Arrival, uh, she's probably the best working performer, uh, right now that has not won an Oscar. Um, I'll probably do a spotlight on her. She's, she's my favorite actress. Um, you know, and like I said, Adam Slandler, he's another one that could get an actor spotlight treatment. Um, you know, he, he almost had it with uncut gems, you know, and if he keeps doing projects like that, he's, he's going to win an Oscar. He has the talent to win an Oscar. Um, Tobey Maguire does too. It's just a lot of times, you know, things think to win an Oscar, you know, the Oscar nominations were announced this morning. Um, which I'm, I'm, this is completely off topic, but I'm debating on whether or not I should actually do an episode about the Oscars this year, because there was so much going on last year with COVID and like theaters were closed for like six months straight, at least eight months, maybe that where no film had been released in the United States, you know, no film had, be, had been released in theaters in the United States. So it's like, do the Oscars even count this year? You know, there's going to, there's always going to be that asterisk, if not officially, but just in everybody's mind that, you know, 2020 films were, it was, that was the year of, uh, of COVID. And, you know, a lot of these films that were nominated, um, weren't, you know, I don't, I don't think we're deserving, uh, that in any other year probably would not have, have been nominated, um, but that's completely off topic. Um, but the point is, is that everything has, to, everything has to line up perfectly for someone to win an Oscar. They have to give the performance of a lifetime, the, you know, whether it's a, an actor, a director, a musician, whatever, um, special effects people, they have to do their best work ever in their life. And they also have to hope 
that someone else doesn't do the same in the exact same year. You know, that's why it took so long for people like uh, Martin Scorsese to win an Oscar and Leonardo DiCaprio to win an Oscar. Um, you know, they had the very long story careers, but the stars just never aligned for them to be able to to actually win the award. Um, but that's a completely different episode. Uh, but anyway, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I know it's been a long one, um, but I really appreciate you guys sticking to the end. If you did, don't forget to check me out on Twitter at SMG Reviews and um, on my blog at 1001filmblog.wordpress.com. Thank you guys again so much for listening, and I will catch you next time.